you know, I married about five, five and a half years ago into this house, which is in a great location, very close to the mountainside, but it is a seriously steep hill coming home. And I was not excited at all about making that ride up. Well, yesterday, I could have ridden all the way up the hill without stopping to rest. I stopped once, really just because I decided to make it easy on myself. But I was so close to the house, I knew that I could have made it all the way. So it's only taken me a few weeks of riding to get condition myself and get my lungs in a little bit better condition so that I can ri- actually ride up that horrible hill that kept me from adopting bicycling for the last five years. This is a story of a guy who really wasn't that crazy about bicycling, but now I am. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. David and I could have talked about growth and how many people think growth is sustainable and non-growth isn't, which seems based on a system hurtling toward collapse. Whereas a steady-state economy and population can be sustainable, human populations have lived for hundreds of thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years without growth. Whereas our growth, just since the Industrial Revolution, it doesn't look like it's going to last one thousandth of that time. But instead, we just talked about the fun of riding more and getting outside. This is what living sustainably is about, spending more time in nature, enjoying what you have. As you heard, he lives in Colorado. There's lots of hills there. And even with people who have done a lot to act more environmentally, in the U.S., you can change a lot from the mainstream and still pollute a lot meaning you can find a lot of activities to enjoy. We talked about how one joyful thing leads to another joyful thing when you shift from making excuses to avoid acting to actually acting. After listening to David, I recommend listening to a few past episodes because there's a bunch of past guests who have had similar experiences. Dove Barron talked about similar experiences about not needing his car so much anymore, his Jaguar that he aspired to for his whole life. So I recommend listening to that episode. Danny Bauer talked about getting rid of a car when he moved to Europe and the joy of getting around by bike and by walking. I haven't heard back from Jethro Jones about riding his bike through the winter in Alaska, but he went out of his way to find me and chose to do it on his own, then came to me and said he wanted to do it. Michael Heaney found similar results riding his bike with his daughter in Golden Gate Park. This isn't an episode, but one of my great experiences of of my life was riding my bike with a friend of mine from Philadelphia to Maine and back. That was a 1,500-mile ride that took us about 30 days. It was the summer between high school and college. We had our tents on our bikes. We were 16 years old. You can debate the pros and cons of bikes versus cars and so forth, But you can't debate that we are having a lot of fun, getting in better shape, enjoying life more. This is about fun. This whole podcast is about fun and joy, the opposite of feeling guilty. You know, for that matter, if you go back to listen to my episode with John Lee Dumas, the second one, it led to me plogging, that is jogging and picking up garbage while I jog. This is really fun stuff. Even if you're doing lots of stuff already, I hope it leads you to do more. It's been leading me to do more. Anyway, let's listen to me and Dave. And actually, I've been looking forward to talking because before talking to you, I don't know if I've talked to anyone who who thinks of population as like an interesting topic to talk, not just an interesting, but a very important topic to talk about and to talk about it, not like matter of factly. I mean, actually to talk about it matter of factly, because once you 
start looking around. It's everywhere. I mean, I already knew it was everywhere, but it's more so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true that. And so people who are listening, I was walking home one day and I passed There's this thing called Manhattan Storage. And it's where people who live in Manhattan put their stuff because their apartments are too full. <laughs> like that's OK. There's a little warning sign there, like paying rent for stuff you're not even using. Yep. And then there's a big sign that's advertising. We air condition this stuff, too. I'm like, wow, we're giving luxury for inanimate objects. And so, I, I, you know, I, I took the picture to send you and then I ended up making my own blog post about it. Yeah, I read that. I saw that. That was great. <laughs> and then I have to preface it with lots of stuff. If you don't mind my talking more about stuff, because it's talking to you opened up a lot of things that I was noticing. And I hope you don't mind my monopolizing the beginning to, to share a bit. Happy. It's probably the last thing I should do on a podcast. <laughs> Sounds great to me. And I want to preface this by saying that it's a really difficult situation for the individuals there in Puerto Rico right now. And I don't want because we just had two hurricanes come through. Yeah. And so I, I don't want to take away from the pain and the suffering of the people who are there now. But I, I want to take a step back. And there's a New York Times article today about how it says, for many on Puerto Rico, the most coveted item is a plane ticket out. And it's story after story about people who want to leave and they never want to come back again. And they want to move to places in the U.S. and set up there. Of course, the places in the U.S. are places like Orlando, where it's things are going to be complicated soon, too. And it may be that the hurricanes that came through had nothing to do with global warming. It's possible. But whether they did or not, if there are hurricanes to come and flooding to come, the scene that played out in Puerto Rico is like, I'm reading it and I'm thinking, this is a reporter just reporting what's there, but this is what's going to happen over and over and over again in many places that where there's flooding and, and weather changes and things like that. It's the predictions of the past are now happening and it's front page news all the time. Am I reading into things too much or do you think this is a sign of things to come and on a, on a very small scale, something that will happen on a bigger scale? Oh, I don't think there's any question about it that this, you know, that we're going to have more of this and, and worse of this. Infinitely worse, actually. Uh, in a way, I guess, I sort of knew it was coming, but I, it is, I guess it even surprises me that we really are living, you know, we're living today the very clear, real, obvious negative consequences of climate change, you know, this summer. We saw it and I think we've been talking about it as, you know, kind of a, a future event. Uh, even though a lot of the experts were saying, you know, it's already, it's already happening and all of the environmental crises that result from the scale of the human enterprise, you know, having outgrown the planet, you know, we're, we're living all of those today. We just sort of get by, you know, they don't inconvenience those of us in the, in the overdeveloped world, but those hurricanes definitely inconvenienced people in Houston and Florida and Puerto Rico, and more people are going to be inconvenienced, and the inconvenience is going to be more deadly, I think. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's right there in the paper, not, these aren't projections, and it's possible, I've seen credible scientists saying that the hurricanes are not now, like the hurricanes are actually, if you look at the numbers, it's not bigger that all right, I'll, giving people the benefit of the doubt, even if the hurricanes we got this summer were not from global warming, it's still sea level rise is going to have the same effect. It's slightly different. It won't have the, like the hurricane force winds, but it'll still have the flooding and the power outages and things like that. Yeah. And I don't know what people are thinking, like it's going to go away or it's not like what they do has nothing to do with it. I think the denial is 
even more severe and pervasive than even, you know, acute observers like you and me envisioned. You know, we've, I think, I think you and I are both pretty acutely aware that denial is there. It's out there and pretty widespread, but <laughs> you know, I think we're going to, apparently we're going to drive civilization. I'm afraid we're going to drive civilization right off a cliff and we'll still be in denial. You know, we'll kind of like that parable of the guy that's jumped off of a building and somebody sees him passing by the 20th story and says, says how's it going? And he says, so far, so good. Yeah. I was talking to my dad a little while ago and he was talking about how a lot of changes aren't really that hard to do if you look at any one change. But I think he's missing that it's like it's the internal change that's the hard one. I think that, yeah, it's not so hard to not fly. It's not so hard to replace your bulbs and things like that. But and actually, even some of the bigger changes aren't really that hard. But not if you don't want to do it, then it's virtually impossible. Yeah. And I think it needs to be most of those changes. And certainly if a lot of them are going to take place in in any given person's life or even, you know, community wide, I think it has to come from. You know, it has to come from within. It's got to be a change of operating system. You know, we need an operating system that isn't based on, you know, infinite abundance. Yeah, and also in the short term, well, you know, what's driving me on this podcast is for the change, for the period of change of, for people looking forward to these changes, that's where I've put my, what, stake in the ground? No, my my focus is on, yeah, I've started this off with kind of like doom and gloom stuff, but it's not doom and gloom. It's just reading the paper. And I hope people are thinking I can change. You know, I just watched, uh, I finally got to watch a uh, new impact man. And there was so much overlap between what he talks about of it's really so much about joy and your values and the people around you and spending time with your kids instead of in front of the TV and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that there's so much, you know, it's the alternative to crashing off the cliff is community and delicious fresh fruits and vegetables. At joy. least that's what it is for me. Yeah, joy. Yeah, yeah. Getting getting back in touch with the things that really count in life. Yeah. So that's the one thing that makes it, uh, hopefully makes it an easier sell. I hope so. I hope it's not even a sell. I hope it's just that people like, you know, I have been getting a bunch of people coming back and their response is, you know, in their words, is something like, this is hard. Thank you for doing it. I'm really glad that I finally did this. I've been meaning to for a long time. Something like that, you know, variations on that. And I hope people listening are getting a feeling like that of like, of there has been something I've been meaning to do. Have I given you my wet socks analogy? No. If you, if you walk out the door in the morning and it's raining and your feet get wet and then for the rest of the day, you're wearing wet socks, but you're busy. You don't really pay attention to it. Or if you do notice it, you get busy with something else. You don't pay attention. And when you get home at the end of the end of the day and you take your socks off, you're like, Oh man, I was miserable all day. I just wasn't paying attention to it, but I could have done this earlier. I wish I had done it earlier. Yeah, that's perfect. That's so right on the money. So now let's talk about you. Sorry about I'm talking so much because for the past few weeks, if I remember right, you will have been riding your bike to the gym up and down some steep hills. That's what I promised you. And I heard you talk about it on your podcast. Ah, yes. Good. So I'm curious how it went. Well, I'm really glad to be able to share it with you. Uh, number one, I haven't been on the bike as much as I wanted to be. So confession up front, it's not a a failure by any stretch of the imagination. I actually have been on the bike, but I had hoped for more opportunity. But we've had like 10 days of Seattle-like weather here that uh, 
I didn't get on the bike once because I wasn't going to, you know, I've discovered at least for now, I'm a fair weather bike bicyclist. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to get on the bike if I knew I was going to get soaked <laughs> or really cold. Um, so, so I haven't gotten as much experience on it as I uh, hoped, but, uh, you know, the, one of my first rides was, with my wife, who is a really avid bicyclist, and she just wanted to show me how the best route to get from our house to downtown, uh, because uh, there's a way to ride where you're hardly on the streets and you're not having to worry about getting killed by a by a vehicle, but it's kind of tricky. So she showed me the ropes, and we rode downtown and rode back. And of course, especially since we were off the streets a part part of the time, I saw things I'd never seen. And it was, and I felt like a kid again, you know, uh-huh. you just get a, you get a different view of the world from a bicycle. You know, you're, it takes you longer to pass everything. So you really get to study, you just notice stuff that you were sleepwalking or sleep driving right by when you're in a motor vehicle. So I really started to feel the joy right away. That was really pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, and then on, uh, Oh, hold on. You got to tell what, what did you see? Oh, <laughs> and you stopped and smelled the roses, I guess, or slowed down. And was it like, Wildlife on the side of the road or people or communities? Well, on different rides, it's been different things. But on that particular ride, you know, we rode through a huge regional park. I saw parts of the park I didn't really even know existed. There was, a, you know, a really neat kind of an obstacle course, you know, that pe- people who knew about it, I guess, could uh, drive and park nearby and go enjoy this obstacle course for exercise. But I didn't even know that it existed. Uh, I found I found a little mobile home park that I didn't even know was down there on the perimeter perimeter of the park. And um, you know, I rode by a horse a horse barn, you know, where I got to see uh, horses that I ordinarily would never even realize were there. Uh, but it happens even when I'm just riding on the street down to the gym. You know, I get to actually kind of notice what somebody's done with their house. Like right now, I'm enjoying the heck out of the uh, pretty creative Halloween decorations that that I wouldn't have time to really appreciate if I was just driving by. So this, it's like a new world. And it sounds like maybe sometimes you won't even go to the gym. You'll go to the park and do your exercise outdoors. Well, I thought about that just uh, yesterday. I think it was I rode I rode down to the gym and it was my day that I would do leg weights, not upper body weights. And I thought, shoot, I don't really need to do leg weights because I'm about to ride up this steep hill on the way home. I'm gonna, Probably my quads are going to get all the workout that they need. But I went ahead and, and did it anyway. So I'm trying to kind of mix it up. And obviously, as I get better on the bicycle, it'll be uh, less of a cardiovascular challenge just riding to and from places. But another thing I kind of observed was uh, I was really excited one day when I actually had a meeting I needed to go to. I had the time that I, that I knew I could ride my bike to the meeting. And I thought, you know, it's not that far from the meeting to the gym, so I'll kill two birds with one bicycle trip, which is always nice, too. But I had to leave really early in the morning. This was for a, a coffee meeting. So I had to leave the house at 7 a.m. And this was a fall day, so it wasn't that warm at 7. And I froze uh, because I didn't I, – I actually put a fleece jacket on, but it wasn't a windbreaker. Yeah, and wind, I, yeah. Yeah. You know, this is just stuff that I'm new at because I basically have, you know, not been on a bicycle much at all since I was in high school or college. I guess I rode my bike to, to and from campus in college some. 
but I'm having to learn the ropes of this all over again. Uh, so anyway, I froze. So now I know that I have to have, if I'm not going to just ride in the summer, I've got to have gloves. I had to dig out a windbreaker. So I'm better prepared now, but boy, what a f- absolutely fun day. It just kind of felt like I was on vacation because it was different, I guess, and slower and, uh, found a really great route to the, uh, to the Ivy Wild School, which is a really great community center here in town and had co- my coffee meeting and rode to the gym and, and then rode back home and felt good. I guess probably the biggest really wasn't that, I guess it wasn't that big a surprise, but a little bit of a surprise how good I feel about myself for, for doing it. You know, I physically feel fantastic, but because I'm actually, my lungs are getting, it's like running sprints again. Having to, especially riding the bicycle up this steep hill. Yeah, hills will do that. Yeah. I haven't gotten out, gone out and run the 100 yard dash in uh, a couple of decades. And so my lungs are getting a workout that they've never gotten or haven't gotten since the last time I climbed a 14er. And that felt great, but I feel really good that I'm, you know, doing something for the, for the planet that I guess you could say in a way it's a little bit inconvenient, but it feels good. So when you say good, Good is pretty broad. I'm curious specifically how in, is, is it like happy? Is it accomplished? Is it satisfied? And how much of that is, I think people listening would say, well, Dave is going to say that he's going to like biking no matter what. Like he's predisposed to like it. How much of it is because you're predisposed and how much of it is you think even people who weren't, who really generally prefer to drive will discover for themselves. Actually, no, they don't prefer to drive. Or, or am I over, am I missing something? Am I getting? No, you're, you're really kind of opening up a can of worms that, that's a good can of worms, I think. And, and this will surprise you, but I really was for decades, I would tell people, you know, I'm just not a bicyclist. I think those, you know, the bicycle seat, whoever designed it ought to be fired. You know, it's not comfortable. I do not find bicycle seats comfortable. I have no interest in being a bicycle rider, even though I knew that it was a really good way for me to reduce my carbon footprint getting to and from places. You know, I'm very highly motivated to keep my footprint small, but I wasn't motivated enough to inconvenience myself and and go through the discomfort of having to sit on a bicycle seat. So, and, you know, then, you know, I married about five, five and a half years ago and married into this house, which is in a great location, very close to the mountainside, but it is a seriously steep hill coming home. And I was not, excited at all about making that ride up. Well, yesterday, I could have ridden all the way up the hill without stopping to rest. I stopped once, really just because I decided to just, you know, make it easy on myself. But I was so close to the house, I knew that I could have made it all the way. So it's only taken me a few weeks of riding to get conditioned myself and get my lungs in a little bit better condition so that I can actually ride up that horrible hill that kept me from adopting bicycling for the last five years. So, so here's a, this is a story of a guy who really wasn't that crazy about bicycling, but, uh, but now I am. Now I am. Do you still think the seat is horrible or is the seat, uh, getting more comfortable? Well, I'm working on that. The, uh, you know, I bought, I did not order the bicycle on Amazon or anything like that because I wanted to support a local bike shop. I really appreciate having good advice, good expertise available to me and I wanted to support that. So I went down to, uh, the local bike shop, Old Town Bike Bike Shops, and uh, John Crandall, the gentle, lovely gentleman who owns the place, spent a lot of time with me to help figure out what was the right bicycle and watched me ride and got the seat uh, height adjusted and everything. And then I asked him, I said, you know, the, these test rides I've done, the seat still 
even though this is a comfort bike that you wisely uh, paired me up with, the seat still seems a little hard to me. And he says, well, I think you should, we can change out the seat, but you really ought to just ride on this seat for a month, you know, get used to it, get your rear end in shape before you make any rash decisions about whether you need to change seats or not. So I'm in the process of getting used to it. And uh, I did break down and get a pair of shorts that has the padding in them to see if that makes a big difference. Oh, and, it'll, my experience uh, is that it makes a bit a very big difference. Yeah, yeah, big difference. That's one thing that's kind of funny. I'm, I'm not crazy about uh, going around in public in tight pants or tight shorts. That just feels kind of funny to me. Well, they have non non lycra yep. shorts that have the padding. Right. So that's that's the route I'm taking because okay. I just said, you know, and that's funny because among bicyclists, you know, you know, you're you're cool. You know, if you're wearing bicycling clothing, then everybody knows this is a person who got here on a bicycle. Good for him. But I still would rather have baggy shorts. So so I've got some shorts that have the padding, but are are not skin tight and uh, they were quite comfortable. And I think that helps. So I don't think I'm going to have to change the seat probably. And so how about, uh, you were talking about other people. How, how's the interface with other people? You, your wife, then there's, you're showing up at meetings now. How's that interface? Cause a lot of people, you know, when they interact with other people is sometimes that's where the challenge happens. You know, like they're like, someone might laugh at them or not take them seriously or poo poo them or something like that. Or sometimes that's a place where the leadership begins. So I'm curious how, and many other things too. Darn too soon to be able to answer that, unfortunately, because I haven't had that many opportunities to uh, to actually write it to events. That one meeting in the gym, a couple of errands uh, so far has, has been it. Like, you know, I feel like I I feel like I run into to more people and people are friendlier to me. You know, I'm talking to, to strangers more. Oh, right. Like at the stop signs, that sort of thing? Uh, no, but just you know, usually at the, you know, at one end of the ride or the other, or maybe riding, you know, riding by uh, and seeing somebody out in their front yard. Oh, yeah, that happened. Did I tell you about, about that with me and composting? No. Yeah, in New York City, in Brooklyn, they have curbside composting. But in Manhattan, if you want to compost, you keep it in your apartment and then you can take it to uh, – I mean, you can have a worm farm yourself, but I don't do that. You can take it to – on the weekends, there's – at the farmer's market, they pick up compost. So if you go to compost and you drop your compost off, you're basically going to run into – anyone else doing it also is walking – at least several blocks, sometimes a quarter mile or half a mile uh, round trip now. So it'd be double that. And probably they do like I do, which is to keep it in the freezer. So you got a lot in common. And so every conversation I've ever had with someone about composting and plus you're seeing what you've been eating <laughs> yeah. and not eating. And it's just it leads to really enjoyable conversations with your neighbors. It's a neighborhood thing to do. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, now that I think about it a little longer. You know, I have had a few interesting conversations at the bike rack when I'm parking the back bike wherever I'm going. If there's someone walking by frequently, they'll uh, engage me in a conversation. And it's even like filtered into just changing the way I live my life. I'm kind of a, a little bit of an introvert. And when I go to the gym, I know we, we keep, seem to keep talking about the gym. You'd think I was a gym rat and I'm really not, but I don't I, you know, I don't walk up to strangers in the gym. I don't know, you know, I haven't made new friends in the gym. I just go about my business and take care of it. Now I've discovered I'm actually starting to strike up conversations with people. And I think I hadn't really made the connection until you and I had this chat, but I think it might have something to do with just the more communal feeling I'm getting from being on a bicycle instead of surrounded by a ton and a half of steel. Yeah. You know, I was coming home from picking up my vegetables a couple of weeks ago and 
some guy got out of his car and was chasing people around, like threatening them and like, cause someone got too close to his car or something. And he was, I mean, it was like criminal what this guy was doing. And like people were, he, someone started taking out his license and he started attacking that guy. And then he like drove away cause you know, he knew he only had so much time before a cop came. I've never seen that happen with a vehicle other than a car. People get really angry. I, I don't want to be like anti-car, but people get really angry behind the wheel. I mean, the, the ads are always like you're driving down the Pacific Coast Highway and you got the top down and it's all <laughs> perfect. But maybe it's because I live in Manhattan. It's usually a lot of traffic. People get I mean, honking. and I've, I've never seen that on a bike. Yeah. Have I seen it on a bike? I don't think I have. I don't think I've seen skateboarders get angry. I don't think I've seen rollerbladers getting angry. Have I seen people getting angry on the subway? I mean, subways in New York City, the subway is so dense with people that one subway trip is like you're crossing the paths of as many people as like months of driving. I don't think I've seen people get so bellicose. I was thinking that that was because you're a little bit anonymous. You know, people, your identity is somewhat protected when you're in a vehicle. I think people have this sense of entitlement to the space around them. Like I own this. This is my space. And yet when you're driving, it's impossible above a certain density of cars on the road. It's impossible to avoid. Sometimes you have to shift into someone's lane or something like that. Well, I say I've seen some of the uh, nastiest behavior from uh, motorists in the middle of Manhattan. That's for sure. Welcome to New York. <laughs> what happens when you cram that many people into that small of a space? You're going to you're going to run into some of that. Yeah. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. Have you had any big hurdles? Have you had things that were really difficult? Besides, I mean, you mentioned the cold. You know, I am struggling. I'm struggling a little bit with the the cold or a, or a busy day. You know, where I think, oh, uh, I should be able to run my bike on this errand, and then I stop and think, oh, but man, I've got to be here and I've got to be doing this at this time. Do I really have? Can I really take the time to do that? So I'm still struggling a little bit with uh, excuses for for not doing it. But I'm enjoying it so much that I have no I have no doubt that that's you know going to go away pretty quickly and I'll be look I'm, you know I'm actually looking for opportunities to do it and in fact I've got uh, coffee scheduled with somebody next week where I intentionally you know picked a place that I knew was very very rideable you know I'm I'm mm -hmm. reluctant to get on the bike and ride somewhere that's uh, 10 or 15 miles away yet because I feel like I'm such a beginner still and I, <laughs> I think I might want to, uh, my wife's out of town right now. And I think I might want to ride with an ex, you know, somebody who's been on the streets on a bike a long, a lot longer than I have before I do something that might take that long. And I actually did a Google maps to see how long it would take me to ride to this, to this farmer's market that I like to go to on Saturdays. Well, it's, this farmer's market is about 12 miles away. And, you know, I feel guilty driving to that farmer's market. You know, you know, I should be riding my bike to that farmer's market or I should be going to one that's closer. But I just really happen to like the day and the and the atmosphere at this place. So I was really excited about the fact that now I'll be able to ride my bicycle up there and and it won't matter. You know, there won't be a high carbon footprint attached 
to the ride, but I just have to get over this fear of, wow, is it going to take me an hour and a half to get there? Yeah, I think you might find yourself enjoying it, like looking forward to the ride just for the sake of the ride. Exactly. And the, and I'll especially will when uh, when Ruth and I can ride together. I think now we can have that can be like a great Saturday morning adventure for us, something for us to do together, ride to the farmer's market, sit on the patio there and have a have a cup of coffee and then buy our produce and ride back home. I'm looking forward to it. Too bad winter cometh. <laughs> so I can see you guys on a on a bicycle built for two now, or maybe tricycles because if you're gonna because you're gonna you're gonna get to get more produce because you produce from farmers markets is usually not particularly caloric, and you're burning calories there and back. So more vegetables. There you go. And now I am I am waiting for the for for to be tipping the scales a little bit lower weight as a result of the bicycling, but I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, that'll be hard. I mean, I feel like that's going to be more diet than exercise, but exercise tends to affect diet. Darn. You mean I'm going to have to <laughs> give up a glass of Cabernet every evening to see, see the results, perhaps? Actually, what do you do for panniers, for bags? If you go there, are you putting everything in a backpack or do you stick it on the bike? Have you figured that out yet? Uh, I think I have it figured out. I haven't tried a backpack yet, so I am anxious to see whether that really bothers me for when, when I need more uh, more capacity. My wife had an extra... I don't know, saddlebag, whatever. What do you call them? Pennier. I don't see. I don't have the lingo down yet. So she had an extra one. I know. Meanwhile, you're like, last time I climbed one of those 14ers, and I was like, 14er. Oh, that's how tall the mountain is in feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I got to, I got to get the vocabulary down. So I've got one on one side. So if I buy more than a bag of uh, produce, I'm going to need, I'm going to need another one on the other side or a backpack. And I think that kept me, I think I did one, I did one drive to the grocery store specifically because I didn't think I had the capacity on the bicycle. So I need to solve that problem. I have an idea that might help solve it. There's uh okay. every now and then, I don't know if I have any that I can send you right away, but if you look online, you'll find videos of like Scandinavians in February, 80 year olds riding their bikes through snow up to here. I mean, granted, they clear the road. They probably, actually, I don't know if they clear the roads or they just are used to riding on snow. But it's kind of funny when you're like, should I do this or not? And you find out like, oh, there's an 80 year old doing the same thing and not even like, not even acting like it's unusual. They're just, yeah, of course. How am I going to get there? I'm going to ride a bike. What would you do instead? And then you're like, I guess I was, uh, what's the word? Thinking it was harder or being a little too precious. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Thinking about the snow, you know, because I'm kind of assuming that I'm going to, you know, never going to get on my bicycle when it's snowing or when it's, you know, below 40 degrees or something like that. I, you know, I, I may be a little bit of a lightweight in that department, but I think one of the things I was thinking about as I was out on the bike really enjoying it the other day was, wow, if I did not have that hill to climb, I would never be in a car. I'd be on my bicycle all the time. The hill. This is like a one and a half, one and three quarter mile hill. <laughs> and, and that is unfortunately, I'm going to have to get over that. If I, you know, if I lived on the flats, I'd have solved all these problems and I, you'd never see me in a car. Yeah. All the Dutch have that going for them. Yep. Yep. They're pretty flat, but it is hard work. It's hard work riding up this hill. Yeah. So I got to get past that. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking to myself when I was younger and living at my dad's house in Philadelphia, I would, to get home from Penn, I could take this route that would go up this really steep hill in this area called Maniunk. And it was like, there used to be a bike, a, a pro bike race that came through and that was like the big hard place. And I would specifically go out of my way to do that. 
which when you're in your early 20s is like a natural thing to do. And I have my burpees now, which is like, I look, how do I put it? I look forward to finishing them. <laughs> I don't look forward to starting them, but it really is. I know this title of, of a Ryan, I don't know if you know Ryan Holiday, but it's got this book called The Obstacle is the Way or something like that. And I keep coming back like, wow, you really got a great title there. Yeah. Like these challenges are what make us. That's what life, that's what life is about. Like that's where you learn. That's where you grow. That's where you find out who you are. I mean, I, I like relaxing too, but that doesn't feel as like I'm growing as much or learning as much. Yeah. And you know, part of, I'm sure there's a big part of it that is purely mental and spiritual, but there's also, you know, this endorphin thing going too. I'm sure there's a, some great chemical benefits that I know I am feeling. When I when I walk back into the house after I get off that bicycle, I am feeling that endorphin rush. It is awesome. It's wonderful. Well, it's hard for me not to ask anything now that something that was on your horizon is now or something that's beyond your horizon is out in your horizon. Anything new that you're looking for next? I guess there's the winter. Yeah, so I still got a lot of adventures and obstacles to overcome with that. So I, you know, so my near-term and mid-term goal really continues to revolve around that bicycle, which is to to use it more to certainly never find myself out in the car and think, oh, why didn't I go on the bicycle? You know, that happened to me once this week. I actually did a, a couple of errands and I just, you know, it was still kind of rote to grab the car keys and go get in the car. So, I gotta, you know, I'm looking forward to making progress with those, but I don't think I've really picked up on any new, uh, I don't have a, a new way of lightening the load that I'm planning to add to my bag of tricks. I'm curious if, if that, see, here's what, where I am on this podcast is for a long time, I've been, I've been trying to be strict with myself of like, ask people what about the environment matters to them and have them pick something that matters to them and act on that. And actually, I should ask you, what were you, when you were doing this, you're riding the bike, it's hard. So something's rewarding you probably emotionally. That's not the riding. Like externally, you're riding. What are you doing internally? What's the value, if if any? What's the the meaning? Well, not sure how to articulate this. I don't know if I'll articulate it well or not. But I think there is, you know, I think we like human beings like to be good. Most of us, anyway. You know, there's I don't know. There's some kind of intrinsic reward that you get for doing the right thing. And I know, you know, I know that that is doing the right thing. I think about my son and my daughter sometimes when I do that. I, I feel like, you know, now I don't have to apologize to them for uh, how many miles I drove in the car today, which I know, you know, every time I get in the car and drive, I know that I am, you know, in a small way sealing uh, their fate, uh, a fate that won't won't be as pleasant as it could have been. And I know a lot of people would be tempted to say, well, come on, Dave, you know, you're, you know, one uh, 10 mile round trip to the grocery store and back in the car isn't going to make any difference in the, you know, to the climate disruption. But, you know, I'm one of, you know, 325 million people in, you know, in the United States alone, I'm one of 7.6 billion people on the planet. And if thousands, millions, or even billions of people are behaving poorly, then that really adds up. And likewise, if thousands or millions or billions of people are behaving really well, then that can make a, a huge difference. So to me, I'm aware of that, you know, the power of numbers, even when I'm doing something that just by myself is a little, doesn't really add up. I know it matters. And, and I do, I think about those kids and I feel better about myself. I know that I am, 
You know, it's not even a sacrifice, really. <laughs> you know, it's, it was a sort of a mental sacrifice just to do the hard work of getting a bicycle, making that, making the decision, making the purchase decision, and then getting, developing the habits is, is a little bit of work and a little bit inconvenient. But the, you know, it's not even hard to do the right thing because there's so many, so many rewards, so much joy. You know, I'm going to be in better shape. I'm going to be mentally uh, in better shape for taking better physical care of myself and giving myself time to see the world and smell the roses and and think about things. So it's all good. So I'm hearing it's like I came to relieve the burden and I stayed because I enjoyed it. Because it sounded like the motivation to start was not hurting others. Yeah. And I think the reason you like doing it so much is that you, you discovered stuff that you didn't expect of how much you would like it, or maybe you kind of knew it in principle, but once you actually felt it, it's another story. Yeah. In fact, you know, you mentioned no impact man and it is a lot like the theme of that uh, wonderful documentary. One of my all time favorite documentaries, you know, and it really was, you know, his Colin Bevan's message was, you know, this <laughs> was not a sacrifice. This was a, this was a joy. Yeah. I like, like the words you used. I, I came for the, came to relieve the burden. Stayed for the joy. Stayed for the joy. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh, maybe you know, I'm working on my podcast. Um, the tagline I was playing around with, uh, beyond talk to action, but I think that's not positive enough. And now I'm, now I'm playing around with better living, live better by your values, but maybe come to relieve the burden stay because it's stay to have fun. Yeah. We need, you know, I think you got the right meaning, but now we just have to come up with something really catchy. Yeah. Get the words down tight. So how come you didn't do it earlier? Oh gosh. Don't have a good answer for you there. You know, too busy. I was allowing myself to be too busy. Yeah. I think that I think you're not alone in that. I think it's, we're all, I think we all, I bet every single person listening to my voice. And for that matter, everyone who's not listening to my voice has stuff that they want to do and they want to take off the socks, but it's easier to like occupy yourself and not pay attention than to just sit, sit down, take your shoes off, take your socks off. Then maybe put your shoes back on without socks. And I'll bet uh, 99 times out of 100, once anybody takes off the socks, they say, oh, man, why didn't I do <laughs> that a long time ago? <laughs> yep. It's great. It's great not to be in wet socks. Yeah. So I want to wrap up. And but I, before wrapping up, do you have any steps or words to leave with listeners of advice or experience or I don't know, something to leave them with? I'm usually not short on advice, but you really today make me feel like uh, uh, you're the doctor and I'm the patient. <laughs> so I don't know what I don't know. I am. I'm obviously still in the middle of this. I think if you meet, you know, if you meet Josh, it's great to have uh, that catalyst to get you to get out of those wet socks. Um, but I hope, you know, I would hope that all of us can do it without having to have some kind of external force getting us getting us to do it. Or I hope that your experience is one of the forces or a catalyst for others. That would be nice. Rent or purchase no impact man. That might inspire you too if you need an extra hint of inspiration. Uh, I think your podcast will definitely serve as uh, as kindling and get uh, get some fires roaring out there, I think. I'm excited about it. I hope so. Thanks for doing it. Well, thank you too. And let's leave it there. If you 
as this challenge becomes habit and habit becomes just a part of regular life, if you move on to your next stage or you have new revelations about this one, I'd love to hear it. And especially if it would be valuable to the listeners. Uh, I mean, we'll be in touch. I'm going to show up on your podcast pretty soon. And I thank you very much. And for sharing, you know, it wasn't just a walk in the park for you or a ride in the park either. And you shared some of the stuff that was was challenging and was hard. If uh, if I don't have something new to tell you about soon, then shame on me. Then you want me to come kick your ass? <laughs> yep. Because I don't plan to be just sitting still or standing still. I have plenty of uh, there's plenty of room for personal growth for for me. So I look forward to that. And I was thinking we are uh, probably ready to have you as a guest on the Growth Busters podcast. So maybe in a week to two weeks, something like that. So see if we can't get you on the calendar. Sounds great. And for the listeners, I'll put it, I'll put the links on the page, but why don't you give where everyone can reach you and watch your movies and things like that? Well, the quick short answer to that is growthbusters.org. Uh, that's the, the website for uh, uh, the movie or growthbustersmovie.org is another good location. And I think it's pretty easy to find a contact form or send, a, send an email to Dave at growthbusters.org. We're also on Facebook and Twitter with the same handle, growthbusters. Okay, well, thank you. We'll be in touch and I look forward to hearing how things evolve and I'll share with you how things evolve at my end too. Thanks for the inspiration, coach. <laughs> Talk to you again soon. All right, bye-bye. Bye. David's stronger than before. He's finding things out about his neighborhood, about himself. Pleasantly surprised he didn't expect these things. If you like this episode, I recommend listening to the ones I mentioned before. Dove Barron's. Danny Bowers, Jethro Jones, and Michael Ohini, to hear all of them had this pleasant surprise in enjoying using their muscles and breathing fresh air. Everybody loves nature, it seems, especially people with kids. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference, and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.